Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank. Banking with greater momentum. At B1Bank.com. Sewers on the Boulevard. We're out to lunch with Stephanie Regal. Stephanie Regal is a broadcaster and editor of Baton Rouge Business Report. It's business Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. As the way we do business evolves over time, so do the tools we use. Today, products and services that didn't exist 20 or 30 years ago are indispensable parts of our companies and commerce. That's particularly true in the digital economy. Today, you can do anything online, shop for clothes, research products or services, and even book a condo for your vacation or a reservation for a hot new restaurant, which is where Yelp comes in. It's a service that provides online reviews and recommendations of thousands of businesses in dozens of categories in cities throughout the United States. The service was founded in 2004 when online commerce was still in its relative infancy. And today, Yelp averages some 90 million unique views per month on its combined app and website. Yelpers have written 102 million reviews over the past 12 years, and the number keeps growing. Rebecca White is the local Yelp manager in Baton Rouge. She's here to tell us about the company, its business model, and how to keep from getting a bad review on your website. Rebecca, welcome to Out to Lunch. Hi, thank you, Stephanie. Another relatively new business service is executive coaching. It's only been around since the late 1980s or so, and in the decades since has grown to become an indispensable tool for company executives who face an increasing number of pressures in an increasingly complex business environment. Craig Yingling is a Baton Rouge-based executive coach, one of just 2,500 in the country who has obtained the designation of professional certified coach. And since 2009, he has run an executive coaching business in the capital region, where he's helped CEOs entrepreneurs, and other business leaders learn how to be more effective. Craig, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you. Excited to be here. Rebecca, I'll start with you. The business of Yelp is fascinating, and as we all know, a bad online review can really sink your restaurant or your condo or whatever. How does Yelp work? Um, Yelp basically has, you know, people, anybody can write reviews, and it's not just food-related. There are many businesses on there that are non-food-related, and we always encourage people to be writing reviews for those businesses because they're helping the local business that way, increasing their presence on the Internet and everything. And, um, you know, there's the business owners is a big important is an important part on there um you know there's a business owners tool where we encourage business owners to get on there and reply to the comments that they're getting the reviews that they're getting and just to get them more in touch with the users now i did not realize that yelp had and i mean i guess i should have but a local person here on the ground. So what do you do in that role? My role here is really just to support the local businesses. So I work with the local business owners here and I do events to, you know, basically just help support what they do and promote what it is that they're doing. So, and I also, um, you know, run events and invite people who are writing locally. So how do you get a business onto Yelp? 
do you go out and, and convince them to come on, or does just a reviewer write it, or how does sometimes, it work? Um, sometimes they're already on there, so the, the business owner sometimes doesn't even know they're on Yelp. Anybody <laughs> can add a business on there and um, start writing reviews on it. And then the business owner can then go in and claim their business page, and then there's a bunch of tools available for them as a business owner to use. How do you keep the reviews credible? I mean, I've heard stories about overseas operations that do nothing but write fake reviews, not just for Yelp, but for other websites. How do you all vet and verify the, you know, the reviews? We have a review filtering software that pretty much goes in there and, you know, can, can see, like, any reviews that are maybe written by competing businesses or just people who want to go on there and rant and... Um, you know, and they, they hide those reviews. They don't take them off, but they do hide them. They do take some off that, you know, they find are irrelevant to the business if they're flagged and, you know, our headquarters looks at it and says, like, okay, this is not relevant to the business, then, you know, they'll take that off. But we have uh, people that are writing all over the world that, and we even have, if you ever notice, you'll see people that have a Yelp Elite badge. And those are our, you know, those are our tastemakers, the people who love to contribute to our site. And, um, and those reviews are the ones that come up more credible than others. So, so you have like a, a team of, yeah. of Yelpers out there mm -hmm. and yeah. they do it for free? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they just they just love contributing content, and then you know, and then they also come to like the events, and they enjoy that. It's it's all about community on our site, mm -hmm. so that's what I think that you know really pushes people to get on there because they know they're helping community. Have you found that people in Baton Rouge or in Louisiana are less, you know, are more reticent to use Yelp than they do say in California? Uh, I, I would say probably more in like larger metros. That's probably where you find more people using it, and that's what. They brought me here to do is you know to to really help out the community and like get more people writing because they know that these reviews are helping businesses. Well, this is I'm sure one of many things that executives have to worry about today. On top of everything else, is oh my God, a bad review for my company. So Craig, I'm sure that that's one of many things that that you probably help them with. What else do you do as an executive coach? Well, when you think about executive coaching, think about it in terms of one-to-one -one leadership development. Mm -hmm. It's really about working with the person for about eight or nine months, by the way, kind of really identifying what their strengths are, where they need to develop, how they can work more effectively with teams. And before I forget, one of the things I'm going to go do is check and see if I have any reviews on Yelp, just to be on the safe side. <laughs> well, sure, because you as an executive coach could get bad reviews on Absolutely. Yelp. Absolutely. And the speaking I do, as well as the coaching that I do. But executive coaching is really about one-to-one -one leadership development. So you got into this, you were an you were an executive yourself before, yes? Correct. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I, I thought about you. A comment you made is, is a lot of Yelp and like Angie's List was really well adopted in Washington, D.C., mm -hmm. which is where the majority of my career was in healthcare. And then I came back home and I had an executive coach in my career. So it was one of those real positive developmental experiences for me. And this is home. Uh, yeah. Came back home and decided I needed to do something else. So I went back to school to become an executive coach. And and you are a, a certified, professional certified executive coach. Correct. And that is an, an exclusive, legitimate distinction that would... Yeah, you know, the interesting thing about our profession is literally anyone could hang a shingle out and call themselves a coach. Sure. Just like I could be a consultant. Mm. Exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, for example, there's in the Baton Rouge area, there's about 15 people that call themselves coaches, and there's really only been four of them that have been trained to be coaches. Interesting. And so it's really important because there is a process, there is a program, there are, you know, ethics that we uh, uh, subscribe to and apply to and methods by which we respect confidentiality of our clients. 
So it's distinguishing to be able to be trained and then to be able to have the credentials that few people have. And mm -hmm. fortunately, love what I do and love to learn more. That's great. Um, do most executives recognize that they need coaching? I mean, to be an executive, you have to, you have to be pretty confident uh, and maybe a little overly confident or cocky. Have they, do they take to this? I have to tell you, the uh, client that I almost love to work with most is the one that I'm introduced to that says, what do I need an executive coach for? <laughs> and the interesting thing is by the time we're finished, they're actually have become an evangelist for executive coaching and have become, you know, great referral sources and have recommended coaching to their uh, colleagues as well, too. So, yeah, there's a part of this that a lot of people in the South, again, here we are again, the, um, it's not widely accepted. Mm -hmm. It's very well accepted in the Northeast and sure. on the West Coast. And it's there's a big market here in the and South. And that's where most of the big companies are headquartered, mm -hmm. in the Northeast or the West Coast. Is there enough of a, of a need here? Are there enough big companies that recognize they need executive coaching and, and need someone like you. Or Absolutely. Your I, the market is really kind of wide open. Because of my uh, CEO background or supervising CEOs, I tend to work with the larger companies. Mm -hmm. But today I spent the morning with someone who has their own business, and it's a relatively small business. It has to do with healthcare, which is my background. But it was a great opportunity to be able to work with him to understand his strengths, where he needs to develop. But most of the companies I do work with are larger companies in the area. Now, why does an executive need a coach? Well, here's the way to think about it. Um, probably a good metaphor to refer to is a quarterback coach. So think of Drew Brees. You know, he's going to get out there on the practice field, and he's going to have a coach with him because that coach is going to give him a perspective that's going to be valuable, that's going to have him play better on the field. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he's going to be focused on having Drew in top condition. He's going to be focused on having him lead the team effectively. He's going to be focused on having him be agile on the field. It's kind of the same thing for an executive coach. We hope executives really understand their streaks, their weaknesses, how to lead teams more effectively, and how to change when the playing conditions change. Is it very expensive to hire an executive coach? It can be. Uh, costs down here in the Louisiana area are different than they are in the, in the coast area. Uh, because of my credentials and because of my background and that sort of thing, an engagement's going to cost you anywhere between seven to twelve thousand dollars. Depends on a lot of factors associated with it because of assessments and the frequency of visits and that sort of thing. And by the way, the idea is, is in eight or nine months, is the client we should be finished in our engagement because you never want to have your client become dependent upon sure. you, if you will. But there are coaches that charge more and there are coaches that charge less. When you came back here, you said you wanted to do something different. What made you choose this? Well, I began to, I came back to healthcare uh, from working with, you know, frankly, uh, just a wonderful company up in Maryland. And um, I came back to Louisiana healthcare, and healthcare here in Louisiana is different than it is in a lot of parts of the world. And I worked for a company, and I think when you've worked for a great company before, when you work for a company that's not so great, it, you'll begin to examine what's important to you. So as I like to say, and by was, way was interviewed by some of your reporters uh, years ago, is I began to look at healthcare as a death sentence and I had to do something different. And so I don't recommend you do this, but I quit my job when my daughter was in college and decided to go back to school and take the risk. I figured I'm motivated more than I ever would be uh, and it just so happened to work out beautifully. That is so great. Do they do executive coaching at Yelp, Rebecca? Oh, gosh. Um, 
I don't know if they do. I, mean, I would almost bet they do because yeah. it's very widely accepted in Silicon Valley okay. and with the technology companies. And, and how big is, is Yelp? I mean, over on, on the West Coast in the corporate office, is it a very big company? Oh, yeah. And then we also have, uh, so that is our main office over there. And then we have offices in Phoenix, Chicago, and uh, New York, and then also in Hamburg, Germany. And, and when you look at things like Yelp, and, and, and as I mentioned at the, at the beginning of the show, executive coaching, I mean, the whole way we do business today is so different, and there have been so many paradigm shifters. And, and you, Craig, having you know, been on both ends of it and seen this throughout a 30-year career or so, it's astounding, isn't it? Uh, really? You know, I heard somebody use this, and I'm going to have to start adopting the use of this, is the term VUCA, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous environment. And it came actually from the military oh, in Afghanistan. Mm. It really describes accurately the, the, where businesses are today. Yeah. It's a volatile business climate. The climate, the economy is in some areas doing well. Complexity is tremendously different than it was when I started in my career. And uh, as far as the ambiguity goes, it is getting tougher. Social media mm -hmm. adds to the... Um, complexity as well, too, with the speed with which information and communication occurs these days. And, and the speed of a Yelp review, for instance, I mean, it's up and it's that instant. can go viral over in just instantaneously, yes? Pretty much, yeah. And you, people can even share links on, you know, on their social media pages as well. Do you all, even in tiny little markets or rural cities and towns, they have Yelp reviews there as well? Oh, yes, yes, definitely. Because, you know, people are traveling and they want to be able to share their opinions and things like that. So even if the business is not up there, they'll go ahead and add it on there, add pictures, add reviews. And sometimes a business owner won't even know that they have a Yelp page. And it's overseas as well? Correct. International? Yes, international. And we have community managers pretty much all over the world. Who, who are your competitors? Um, I would say... Uh, in, Gosh, like, you know, they had Zomato out before. I think they're mostly food reviews. I mean, just yeah. it's, it's hard to say just because, you know, Yelp pretty much reviews everything. It's not just food. And there's not like a lot of, you know, unless you, you know, you're thinking of like um, Google and mm -hmm. basically people writing reviews on there. But um, so Yelp pretty much has the market in terms of reviews. I I could see that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what it looks like. <laughs> Craig, what do you tell a company executive whose company is getting a lot of bad reviews? <laughs> be transparent. Be honest. Right. Communicate forthrightly. And for God's sake, do something about it. Mm -hmm. If your customers are sharing with you information that you really need to listen to, then you need to listen to it and you need to take action to change. What other kind of advice do you give them? I mean, if you could sum up the pearls of wisdom that you share with these men, and I suppose hopefully some women too, um, and I, probably not as many women as there should be. Um, actually, uh, believe it or not, probably about half and half. My oh, that makes me happy. In terms of women and men, um, and at high levels of leadership as well too. Um, coaching is kind of to some degree not as much giving advice as it is exploring options and alternatives. The thing that kind of distinguishes me is because of my background as an executive is I kind of have lived in that world, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And so I can't turn off my business head. So in terms of, you know, what do I want a client to get out of the engagement, I should say, by the end, I would want them to grow. I would want them to understand their limitations, to be more self-aware in the impact that they're having on people. So one of the first things I talk with an executive about 
As I promise you, you see yourselves differently than how others see you, and what they see is more important. Mm -hmm. It's not what you intend, it's not what you say, it's how you lead and how you behave. So as in terms of advice, be reflective. How can you grow? How can you change your behavior to be more effective? And I mean, I think it's hard for people with big egos to be honest with themselves, but that would be one of the keys. Real self-assessment, <laughs> honest self-assessment. Do you have a lot of clients outside Louisiana? Um, very few. Uh, I have uh, some that will refer, uh, because of their experience with me, they'll refer clients from out of town. Uh, Stephanie, I prefer to coach face-to-face. -face. Mm -hmm. um, I have a home office because my offices are my clients' offices. And so I prefer to work with my clients face-to-face -face because it's an intimate, it's a very trusting process. I'm it's a very sure. intimate process. And so I uh, work in principally in Baton Rouge, New Orleans, and Lafayette. Well, that's lucky. Then you don't have to live on a plane out of a suitcase. Uh, that is one of the reasons I decided to burn the ship and leave health is because I knew living in a plane was not it's what I wanted to do. quality of life. Correct. We're going to switch gears for just a minute, guys. And, and, it, and I'm going to ask you each a quick question. It's called, let me ask you this. Both of you work with a lot of people and have hired a lot of people over the years. I'm sure you have your own interview questions that you ask potential employees. So this is a list of 20 interview questions here that human resources people have dreamed up to find out more about people than you get just from an oral recitation of a resume. So I'm going to ask you each to pick a number between 1 and 20, and then I'll ask you a question. Okay. Rebecca, you want to pick a number? Five. Five. Okay. Describe the color yellow to someone who's blind. Oh, gosh. It's, it's bright. It's uh, yellow is <laughs> vibrant and... Um, Reminds me of the sun. I know they can't see that, but um, I don't know. That's a hard one. <laughs> that is a hard one. How would you describe your, your work style and, and, and your priorities at work and your leadership and, and relationship with your coworkers? Um, I try to really keep a relaxed. You know, they really um, encourage that with the employees who in, that are in this role, that they want us to have that balance. They want us to have that work-life balance. They want us to, you know, be happy in our positions. And I can see it just with a lot of the coworkers that I, you know, that I work with, that everybody's pretty happy with this, with this job. And, you know, and because we have that flexibility, we have the, um, you know, we can choose like who we want to, we want to work with. If the ones that are giving us too much trouble and we can't work with them, you know, that's, that's not something that we have to do. We're not really forced to do certain things. So that it's we really a Silicon like. Valley culture that permeates the entire company. It, it really that's is. That's really nice. Craig, why don't you pick a number between 1 and 20? Maybe not 5. 17. <laughs> yeah, that was a hard if you could be a superhero, oh, Lord. what would you want your superpowers to be? You know, I, this will sound like uh, maybe kind of a selfish answer. I look at my job today as the person that gets to change the world one executive at a time. And I guess that would be my superpower, is to be able to help people who really want help, even when they think it's helpless. And when they think that, then I want to be able to give them the confidence to be able to move forward and really make a difference in their own lives and the lives of others. So I guess my superpower would be is, is regardless of how desperate or disparate they think they are, is, is I will always be able to help them. That's great. You reminded me of something that I want to ask you both since you're dealing with company executives and leadership here, and I was glad to hear you say that you, that you work with a lot of women. But since you're in the C-suite a lot, 
there are a lot of men at the helm of companies here. And, and I've written this before and had this experience that Baton Rouge and probably New Orleans and Lafayette as well are very much an old boys network. It is. Um, it's hard to change those attitudes. Is that something that you see and try to address in your um, coaching? Absolutely. I, th I think, you know, it's, it's not gender. It's capability. And the research is pretty clear. Uh, our bias, if you're a male, tends to be more towards men than women. Mm -hmm. And so opening their minds and having them think a little bit differently, if you will, kind of expanding the swim lanes that they're thinking in. You know, some of the larger companies that I work with, and um, they have done a great job of developing women in their companies mm -hmm. into these leadership roles. And the day will come when they will have that CEO after their name. And some of the companies I work with, actually, that's already occurring. I just think we need to be more disciplined and deliberate about it. But sometimes we can be a little provincial in our thinking. It, it's provincial, <laughs> I think, more than anything, really. And in, in my experience, that's what I've seen. And it's just, it's still rather small, a small place. Mm -hmm. But it, do you see a lot of, uh, do you experience that old boys network in, in your dealings with companies here? I, I do very much, um, especially business owners that have been business owners in the area for a long time and probably know that what they've been doing from the get-go is still working and it's, you know, and it's great, but it's, everything is changing, like the dynamics sure. is changing. So that's something that, um, with our job, that we get to just show that, like, genuine care for, uh, like, for a business owner or for just anybody who is involved in, um, you know, contributing to our site, that we just, you know, we want them to show that we're here to help them. And, you know, that, it's, that that's where I feel like, it, you know, is helpful mm -hmm. when I work with them. Do you find biz a lot any businesses here that are resistant to Yelp or or unhappy about being on Yelp or just unhappy? I, I've definitely experienced that, and I'm sure that's something that a lot of other or other markets have experienced too. And I think it's just kind of um, even even with anything like you know maybe some people didn't even want to be in the, the yellow pages when sure. you know when they were in there and like um, and I'm sure there's people that don't want to be on our site, but it's kind of like. You know, it's 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 helping them too. You know, so that was my next question. Do you find, or have you? I don't know if you keep metrics on it, but do businesses get better if they have a series of bad reviews or even constructively critical reviews? I find it that they get better um, if they're responding to them, if they're being actively, you know, if they're actively partaking in in what we do, like on the site. Especially with me here, I get to answer their questions and I get to be there one-on-one -on -one with them. That's another thing that I love to do is, you know, I'll sit down with a business owner and, you know, sometimes it's not always like peaches and cream when I meet with them initially. They're like, oh, well, I have this and that. And, you know, I let them talk to me about it. And then we'll go over like, okay, well, what can I do to help you? And they always like to hear that because they want you to know that you're on their team. And mm -hmm. so that's what I always like to convey out there. Do you all have rules about how people can review? I know a lot of people get really ugly when they're online and they have that safety of the keyboard in front of them. <laughs> well, we, how do you encourage people to be nice? Well, we definitely, there's definitely like, you know, our terms and conditions and everything on there and like um, in our FAQs, you know, we, we generally want people to be giving honest feedback and not just go on there to, you know, to, to rant about about somebody. And that's when we go, they go into the trusted reviews and you'll see that like people who have like an elite badge, you know, those are our trusted users because they, you know, honestly go in there and like write reviews that are not, you know, that are, that are, um, 
you know, that are, they're, they're trying to critique um, in an honest way and, you know, they're trying to be fair about it. It's not like they're trying to go in there and ruin the business, but it's important for businesses to know about what, you know, what they might be doing wrong and how they can correct it, especially if it's coming up multiple times in like other reviews. Mm -hmm. Yeah, your audience is giving feedback to that business owner mm -hmm. so that they can really know, right. you know, what's how they're really doing to the people that are buying their services. Yeah, because I tell important. business owners all the time, I'm like, you know, some of these reviews on there, you re you definitely should read because, you know, you, you're not always there. You're not always looking at like what's going on and, you know, they might be seeing something that you don't see. Yeah, it's a wonderful tool, really. I mean, in so many ways. Absolutely. I mean, what was one of the advantages of, of most of my career being in the D.C. area mm -hmm. is Yelp was very popular mm -hmm. there, as well as Angie's List, and we used them voraciously, and we came back to the South, and we weren't quite as progressed <laughs> yeah. in yeah. terms of acceptance by users, and I'm glad to see it's uh, becoming a real reality for you all. Yeah, we're definitely trying with that. What, what do you all both think we need to do to make this market a better place to to do business. Boy, that would be probably about three lunches combined <laughs> together that we would have to get How about together. the top one? I guess when I, if I had to answer that question, I'd really ask us to think about um, what are our own biases that are holding us back from really becoming, and I don't mean this in a political way, more progressive in our thinking. Mm -hmm. And I've seen Baton Rouge change a lot. I was yeah, in Baton Rouge too. years ago when you could fire a cannon on uh, <laughs> down 3rd Street and sure. not hit anybody. And I'm glad to see it's progressed since I've left. We still have a long way to go. So mm -hmm. I think it's sometimes we get in our own way. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I see some of our politicians and our people uh, getting in others' way because of their own biases. What about you, Rebecca? I definitely agree with that. I mean, I've lived here for a little over seven years now, and when I first came out here, you know, I, I lived in Los Angeles. I, live in San, I lived in San Francisco and Hawaii, and, like, I used to, you know, in the big city and stuff. So when I came here, I was like, wow, this is a very small town, and it seems like a lot of people know each other, and they're very close. But I've really seen it grow throughout the uh -huh. years just with, you know, the different restaurants coming out. And um, I think it's becoming a little bit more adventurous, which I like to see just because that's kind of the person that I am. And I like to see the progression, and that's something that I believe that, you know, it would be great for, for all businesses out here. Well, I'm glad you both are here. You both have great stories and a unique insight into the way we do business today. And it's great to know that you're in Baton Rouge making it happen. So thanks for sharing your Thank insights you. with us today on Out to Lunch. Thank thanks you so for much having for us. Having us. My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Rebecca White, local manager for Yelp in Baton Rouge, and Craig Yingling, professional executive coach. You can find out more about Yelp and Craig Yingling by following the links on our website, itsbatonrouge.la and wrkf.org. Today's show was recorded live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily from 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Today's show is being recorded by Mitch Cry. 
Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti. Our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino and Ann Edelman. You can see photos from this show on itsbatonrouge.la and on our Facebook page. These photos are taken by Ken Stewart. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. Mitch's latest album, Puzzle, is out now. You can find out more about that at mitchellforeman.com. You can get this show as a podcast, you can listen to past shows, and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, it's batonrouge.la and wrkf.org. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and wrkf 89.3 FM. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Mansur's for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank, banking with greater momentum at b1bank.com.